You're listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Wrestling Life. This is episode 130 uh, here on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Thanks for listening. I'm Liam. I'm Ethan. Liam sounds like you're playing hurt. Uh, a little bit. I apologize to the listener. I'm uh, a little under the weather this week. So if you hear any sniffling or if you hear me uh, talk a little <clears throat> a little funny or a little, a little bit of uh, coughing, I do apologize. But uh, the show must go on. And uh, unfortunately, our show today is, is sort of a sad topic. But we're looking to, to celebrate the life uh, of... One of the great performers in the history of pro- professional wrestling, uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan. So, uh, as you said, Ethan, I'm playing hurt. So, uh, if you could just kind of give us a little bit of insight into Bobby's life and career, and then maybe some of your your thoughts as well, and I'll just try to chime in from time to time. Sure. Well, I mean, Bobby broke into the business. I think into the business in Indiana, uh, working for the Dick the Bruisers territory. And the Bruiser is kind of like the 1960s version of Brock Lesnar. I mean, just the tough guy. And and Bobby Bobby started as a teenager, like selling concessions and carrying the guy's ring jackets, which I think is kind of pretty similar to how Jim Cornette got into the business, doing that kind of stuff and taking ringside photos the way uh, Heyman and Cornette did. Uh, Heenan's a little bit older than those guys. And so it was a little bit different for him. It was selling concessions and carrying ring jackets, but it's weird that like three of the greatest managers of all time, just like they showed up at an arena and were like, (laughs) I'm not, I'm not leaving until you give me a job. And they're, you know, three of the four or five best managers of all time. That's kind of a weird, a weird twist there. But so Bobby's, you know, uh, started in the Bruisers territory in Indiana. Um, it's where David Letterman uh, saw him and Letterman would go on to use him on, I believe his fifth anniversary special on NBC. I have uh, a vague memory of watching that with my parents as a child, a very young child, <laughs> um, watching a VHS replay of Bobby Heenan on uh, David Letterman uh, show, but Letterman uh, always had a fascination with Bobby Heenan and uh, would bring him up. Remember he had the mayor of London, this Boris, I forget what the guy's last name was. He's not the mayor of London anymore, but he had him on it. The guy does bear a striking resemblance to Bobby Heenan. And he, he just out of nowhere, the mayor's talking about what some political issue and Letterman just out of nowhere says, have you ever heard of Bobby Heenan? <laughs> and the, <laughs> and, and the American London's like, oh, I'm sorry, no, who's that? And Letterman says, don't worry about it, and goes on with the interview. <laughs> um, uh, Letterman and, and Costas, there's a, a YouTube clip that I, I tweeted out the other day, or retweeted the other day, of Letterman on Bob Costas's NBC late night show in the late 80s or early 90s, and they're discussing their love for Bobby Heenan. You know, kind of a couple Midwest boys yeah who who loved that territorial area uh, era of wrestling when Bobby broke in Costas from St. Louis and Letterman in, in in 
Indianapolis. Uh, Bobby would go on, of course, you know, he went to the AWA and that's where he, he managed Nick Bockwinkle forever there. And, uh, for forever, uh, Nick Bockwinkle and Vern Gagne traded the AWA title and, um, you know, well into their fifties, both of these guys were, were the AWA champion. And I went to, I visited Minnesota for the first time a few years ago, my wife's from there and I landed in the airport and I immediately had a deep understanding of how guys well into their fifties, <laughs> well into their fifties could be world champion in that territory forever. It's just like, it's a place that's resistant to change. Uh, it's like, well, we like our wrestling and those are the wrestlers. So of it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter that they, that they, that they aged like it's like, they're yeah. the wrestler. They're the wrestlers. But Bobby and Bockwinkle were, were a good pairing there, and that's where he, you know, he first feuded with Hogan. And As you mentioned, uh, sorry, just to mention uh, Bobby and, and Bockwinkle, that's the modern equivalent for that for maybe some of our younger listeners would be the, uh, it was very akin to the, the CM Punk and Paul Heyman uh, pairing, which I think we talked about a little bit on our show uh, a year or so back when Bockwinkle died. But uh, it was just, yeah, like theoretically... Bockwinkle was such a great talker. He didn't quote unquote need a manager, but that them together just it enhanced that act even more than you thought it possible. That's, that's a really good point. And he didn't, um, he received a, a, a cauliflower alley club award, uh, eight or 10 years ago. Um, after Bobby got sick, uh, you know, he got kind of in that 2002 to 2007 or eight period. The first, I guess the first five years where he was sick and had first, you know, it appeared that he had beaten the cancer. He got, you know, a lot of recognition and was kind of welcomed back into the wrestling family or, you know, into the business after being uh, out for a couple of years after WCW went down. But he, so he was accepting an award at Cauliflower, uh, Cauliflower Alley. And uh, he, you know, was, was, very humble and was putting over the bruiser and Ganya and Sam Muchnick and, and Bockwinkle especially. And he's just like, you know, Bockwinkle was the salad. I was just the croutons on top of the salad. <laughs> and I think it pretty much to, I think that's an apt analogy for that particular pairing, but Bobby was so much more than that for everybody else he ever managed. <laughs> for sure. And uh, so, you know, after AWA, he, he, Popped down to Georgia for a little while. He was not there very long. Ole Anderson fired him. Uh, I think he was there less than a year. Then he went back to the AWA. And then uh, when Vince raided the AWA, uh, obviously he went to WWE, WWF at the time, and continued feuding with Hogan there. Um, He went at the same time. So Heenan and Gene Okerlund and Dave Schultz and Hogan all left Vern at the same time. Uh, pretty much Christmas week, 1983. And uh, the world was never the same. And uh, Gene and Bobby stayed close through all, uh, you know, forever. And he ended up with a lot of heat with some of the guys that he worked with. And I, to me, it's kind of, I think it speaks more poorly of the guys that he worked with. Like Tony Schiavone addressed this recently on an episode of his podcast about he and he having heat. And they did bury the hatchet at one point. But Shivani pretty much admitted, yeah, this was on me. And Bischoff and, and Heenan probably had heat, but Bobby was, you know, <laughs> I think that speaks more of, of Tony, to Tony Shivani 
in Eric Bischoff's people skills, uh, yeah. then, then, it, then it speaks ill of Bobby. But, you know, so Bobby worked with, you know, worked for Vince for about a decade. Kind of some question as to why he left in 94 to go to WCW or whether he intended to go to WCW when he leave, when he, yeah, when he left Vince, I had always heard that Bobby was just kind of done and was thinking of, you know, exploring like a career in, in commercial acting or, you know, like endorsing products or maybe pursuing a sitcom or and Bobby had bigger things, bigger fish to fry than being a pro wrestling color commentator in 1994. But then this week, on the Wrestling Observer site, I had I heard kind of for the first time that was kind of just a cover story and contract option on Bobby for uh, around the time that he left, and Vince chose to to let him go because he didn't want to pay him. And Bobby ended up going to WCW, and he got health insurance out of a deal, which was also kind of another always another cover story. Bobby was like, "Well, you know, I had a daughter and." Uh, I had a wife and I had a family and I, and I wanted health insurance and I, you know, it turns out that was just a very, a very classy cover story and Vince didn't want to pay him. And Bobby, Bobby never said that publicly and Bobby never buried Vince publicly. Uh, but you know, he never really went back and it's, you know, he went to WCW and was there for like six years. And then that was kind of the end of his run in wrestling. He he did one of the David McLean is the guy behind Glow. Um, he had a promotion called Women of Wrestling. Um, kind of that 2001, 2000, 2001, the tail end of the wrestling boom. And when syndicated television was still a thing, uh, David McLean got a an all women's promotion going. And Bobby did some color commentary, I think, on their lone pay-per-view event. But for all intents and, purpose, intents and purposes, Bobby was done in wrestling after 2000. And then he got sick. I guess he, he worked Hogan's XWF pilot at the end of 01 or the beginning of 2002. But then Hogan ended up going back to WWE. <laughs> and so that, that, <laughs> that never went anywhere. But, you know. And, and then Bobby got ill. Um, he got throat cancer. I'm not sure if it was... Smoking, drinking, tobacco, I'm not sure what the deal was. Um, um, Bobby Bobby lived on the road for a long time, you know what I mean? And Yeah, absolutely. And, and Okerlund ended up with liver cancer, and Bobby ended up with throat cancer. And I, I think Bobby was busted while he was working for Vince. He was, he was caught with a little bit of pot one time on a plane or something like that. So I know he, he at least dabbled in the herbal cigarettes, but I'm not sure if Bobby was a smoker or not. Um, but, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't make what happened to him any less tragic. And um, he so he survived a, a cancer surgery, the, the cancer surgery, but the, the radiation just destroyed his his jaw. And he ended up, you know, pretty disfigured from all the surgeries and, and all that. And, you know. The, the cruel thing in all of this is that, you know, the quickest witted, fastest talking, um, smartest guy in wrestling had no way to get any of that across anymore. It was just really cruel. <laughs> um, yeah. But in, in kind of in, in response to that, it, I 
Well, I'm just doing some research on Bobby today, and I ended up uh, reading an, an excerpt from his second book. I read his first book. I read the whole thing. It was really good. Just a lot of kind of stories from him breaking in and working for Vern. And um, a quick read. I think the book's out of print now. And I think like the cheapest it's available is like 50 bucks used on Amazon or something. But I, I highly recommend his first book. Uh, I might have it somewhere here somewhere. But uh, this quote that I found was actually from his second book. And uh, there's a chapter in his book uh, called Cancer, the Ultimate Heal in his second book. And he wrote this, I think, in 2004, and it was after he was sick. Um, but he, uh, he had this to say at, at the time, and this is 13 years ago, you know, so Bobby's been sick for a long, long time. And, you know, he's only 72 yeah. or 70, 72 or 73 when he died. So like 20% of his life, um, you know, and more than that of his adult life, Bobby was really sick and really suffering. But he, here's, I'm just, I'll, I'll read this, ec- this excerpt and, oh man, <laughs> <laughs> he says, uh, he says, no one needs to feel sorry for me. Uh, I've been to an all-night gas station and I've gotten my face slapped in the backseat of a car. <laughs> I've, had, I've had the opportunity to run from angry parents protecting the virtue of their daughter. He goes on to say that seeing children battling cancer put his own battle in perspective. Some of these kids have never played ball or thrown a ball. They've never had a crush or been embarrassed when a girl kissed them. They'd never been to a dance. They may not grow up just so they can be kids. I don't know why. It's not fair. They say life's not fair. Well, what's the alternative or answer to that? I say death isn't fair. Life seems to be the only fair thing we have right now. And, uh, man, talks about, you know, Talking about kids with cancer and not getting to experience some of the, uh, you know, the real simple joys in life that a lot of us have probably taken for granted. And, you know, Bobby chose to take the opposite um, point of view on that and that he had, he lived, he lived a full life, he thought. Now, I'm sure, um, you know, if given the option, I'm sure he would have chosen more time with his family, but, um, you know, I'm not ashamed of, of my emotions at all ever. I've always cried at the drop of a hat, um, particularly at things that like, that don't matter. Um, <laughs> like t- television shows or movies, real life doesn't really do it to me all that much, but I can't, I may have, have teared up a little bit when Roddy Piper and Dusty Rhodes died. But as far as, really um making me shed a tear i think this is up there with like miss elizabeth passing away um as far as this is my childhood here you know it's yeah bobby heenan and miss elizabeth and all that late 80s wwf that it's really difficult for me to have a, a lot of nostalgia for because of how um, a lot of the folks from that era died and, uh, you know, kind of how the central figure, uh, kind of exposed himself <laughs> to be <laughs> a, a really scummy person. Um, it, speaking of Hogan there, but, um, but Bobby, Bobby was great. 
and um, you know, it made me really sad um, to hear to hear of his passing this week. It, it really, you know, I I cried. I've cried more than once. Uh, Bobby Bobby meant a lot to me just as a fan. Uh, but to kind of try to bring this up out of the doldrums, uh, I know you watched some Bobby on the network uh, over the last couple of days, Liam. Uh, anything there jump out at you, or just any uh, Bobby Heenan fandom uh, lighthearted moments that you might be able to share from your 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 wrestling experience? Yeah, absolutely. Um, to give a little background, I. The wrestling I grew up with, uh, I'm I'm 24, so I'm 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 a little bit younger, uh, but I was not allowed to watch the wrestling that was on when I was say six or seven years old. You know the night the the late 90s, early 2000s Attitude Era stuff. So the wrestling I was allowed to watch was older uh, VHS tapes of some of the early WrestleManias. Um, <clears throat> So I remember watching WrestleMania five a lot, and uh, on that show, Bobby is all over that show. He's managing uh, everybody from the Brooklyn Brawler to Andre the Giant to Ravishing Rick Rude, and, he, and then he wrestled. He wrestled the Red Rooster on that show. Um, <laughs> on top of all of that, <laughs> and uh, so just just what a what a guy. I mean, I. To me, the 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 be all end all. Um, that era is is uh, <coughs> excuse me is looked is looked at as a cartoon a lot of times, and obviously there's there's cartoonish elements. But I think of the uh, the Hogan Andre story, and uh, you know personal feelings about uh, the people involved aside, it's like that was such a simple story of Andre was was the big top star. And then Hogan was the new young guy who had taken his spot. And Andre was maybe a little jealous. And this little weasel, Bobby Heenan, got in his ear and starts telling him, hey, he's been champion for two years. Why hasn't he given you a title shot yet? And that was enough to set off Andre and turn on, and get Andre to turn on his best friend, Hulk Hogan, and, and set off to you know, one of the biggest matches in professional wrestling history. It's like that's such great, beautiful, simple storytelling to have basically the you know the devil on your shoulder and Bobby Heenan turned you know this great good guy Andre the Giant this large in life character into a bad guy. Um, so I just I've always just so appreciated what a beautiful bit of storytelling that that entire feud was, um, and. Uh, aside from that, yeah, I watched some of his uh, some of the shows he did commentary on for WWE or WWF at the time. I watched uh, WrestleMania Eight, which uh, is show with uh, Hogan, Sid, uh, Savage, and Flair, and uh, Bret and Piper are the kind of the three big matches on that show. And Bobby is just incredible on, uh, especially in the 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 Savage Flair match, which is already such, I think, a great and really underrated angle as far as WrestleMania feuds go. But to, to add in Bobby's commentary, and he's such a big Flair fan, and he's salivating at the idea that when Flair wins, he's going to put up this picture of Miss Elizabeth that he's, that he's been promising to release, and just this 
She's like, what a slime ball. And it just adds to the to sort of the triumph of the Macho Man when he pins Flair and wins the title. So just um but as you know, as much as Bobby was was thought of, I mean, I think and and remembered as as kind of a funny guy, and of course he was, he was incredibly funny. Um but I mean when he knew he knew when to be serious, he knew when to put people over. And he, like in nineteen ninety two, in kind of the early days, Bobby's putting over The Undertaker like crazy. He's putting over Bret Hart like crazy. He's putting over Shawn Michaels as the star of the 90s. And boy, he's also a prophet on top of that, it turns out. Um, yep. he, he did the same thing with Goldberg and WCW. Like, say what, you will, say what you will about Bobby and WCW. He didn't care a lot. And he was not very good for a lot of that run. And, you know, there is a lot of... Um, to borrow a, Pritch- borrow a Pritchard phrase, a lot of rumor and innuendo about whether or not Bobby was even was even drinking on certain shows at the time. Like he was totally checked out, but he was totally checked in when it came to Bill Goldberg. And Goldberg tweeted, you know, his career wouldn't be the same without Bobby because Bobby put him over so strong. You're totally right. And And really that speaks to maybe the most underrated thing about Bobby to me. It's like your point about the comedy dead on like it's so easy it's or so difficult rather to be good at both comedy and being serious when it comes time in wrestling it's like kurt angle was pretty close but kurt was a little bit too funny for his own good and bobby (laughs) could always get serious again but the other the other thing the other underrated uh thing that i wanted to touch on about bobby how unselfish do you have to be to get as many guys over as he did and to bump yeah. as a as a heel manager when heel managers took bumps to bump around for as many guys as he did he gave up his body he gave up his neck you know what i mean like he bumped like a madman and for yeah. guys he I hated like warrior <laughs> yeah i mean if you yeah if you've seen the wwe produced uh, the the first warrior dvd they did the whatever the self destruction of Ultimate Warrior or whatever. Bobby Heenan had zero nice things to say about him. But you're absolutely right. He was still there taking back you know, taking flip bumps on the apron and all kinds of crazy stuff for him. I mean it you could say it was his job, but there's a way you can do the job and then there's the way that Bobby did the job with just giving hundred and ten percent and just being completely unselfish. And if Bobby knew how big of a star he really was, if Bobby knew how smart he really was, if Bobby knew how funny he really was, the guy could have been the the biggest sitcom star in the United States. There's no doubt in my mind about it. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard people mention that the idea that you know a guy like Johnny Carson, if he had ever gotten on like Johnny Carson's radar or or something in in that era, that he could have been you know. Uh, even even a bigger deal, and obviously, as you mentioned near the the start of the show, David Letterman uh, mentioned him. I know Tom Arnold tweeted about it, and I know people like Andy Richter and some other comed- people in the comedy field have uh, you know have always mentioned their ties to wrestling and how they liked Bobby Heenan and guys like that. So it's it's a testament to how good he was, and he's I mean absolutely uh, had that that crossover and and. Yeah, it's what if if he had really yeah if he had, if he had tried I'm sure he would have been good at it because there really wasn't anything he tried that he wasn't good at. 
a perfect way to put that. Uh, shall we wrap up uh, the Bobby Tribute show on that note? I just want to... One last thing he said uh, that I thought was was uh, from his hall from his WWE Hall of Fame speech was uh, which I thought was was something really special. Um, okay, I got it. Just uh, he's talking about <clears throat> he's talking about his opportunities to do uh, to do to do comedy and everything, and he he mentions you know to do prime time All American and Wrestling Challenge and be allowed to express myself and bring comedy into a business I often thought needed a kick in the pants and a couple of smiles rather than a guy blowing his nose and belching and spitting. And he adds, well, if you want to see that, come to my room and that's just my wife. Um, just, just phenomenal. And yeah, the idea that he, WWE has kind of often taken that to heart. And I know Vince has always talked about putting smiles on people's faces and, uh, that's, <laughs> and whether they see it or not, we can, we can talk about this, but on a positive note, there was very few times that I ever watched or listened to Bobby Heenan where I didn't have a smile on my face. And I, I just want to say thank you to, to him for that. And, uh, best wishes to his family. Uh, Gene Okerlund put it perfectly, uh, in a Facebook post. Uh, he said, you, you don't replace people like Bobby and you don't. It'll never be another Bobby Heenan. You don't replace people like that. There's a there's a hole <laughs> where, uh, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, thank you guys for listening on iTunes and SoundCloud. Again, this is TWL number one thirty. Uh, and until next time, I'm Liam. I'm Ethan. And we'll be back soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Adios. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the elite podcast network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, Head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys. I don't know. I'm just all stuffed up. Seasonal allergies? I I don't think so. I think it's 
a cold, but um, it could be. I mean, it did just start this week, so. Um, and generally, when I have gotten allergies in the past, it's been pretty sudden. But they've never been they've never been this severe. If it is allergies, it's more severe than anything I've ever had before. But so, oh well, call the ambulance. <laughs> we all we all have our crosses to bear, and yours is possibly a cold, possibly seasonal allergies. Yeah. One second. One second. This is Meltzer esque. (laughs) Shit, where is it? Alan Cheap Shots account, right? Yeah. Okay, I got it. I try to keep on keeping on. 